Good evening. My name is Sheila. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Sheila. I've been sober since December 15, 1984. And for that period, thank you. For that period of time, for that period of time, I'm, uh, I'm almost always grateful. Uh, almost. Um, I want to thank the committee and, uh, for inviting me, first of all. It's nice to come back to Des Moines. I've been here before. And, uh, it, you know, nice to be invited back somewhere when you're like me. And, um, uh, I know how hard it is to put something like this together. Our group does stuff like this and we're a real active AA group. My group, my home group is the Phoenix group in Norman, Oklahoma. We're at 227 West Main. We're right in the middle of Main Street. People see us all the time. Um, we're right in the middle of everyone. We stand out there and drink coffee and shake people's hands. And, you know, our town isn't quite sure what we are yet, but they know, but they don't know. You know, some know and, and, um, you know, it's funny because people get sober and, and they say, my God, this group is right out here in the middle of Main Street. What if somebody sees me? And I said, oh, well, they didn't see you fall off a bar stool. Okay, fine. <laughs> They'll probably applaud and honk their horn when they see you here. You know, don't worry about that. Um, I, it, everything is, you know, everyone has just been so nice to me since I got off the plane. And uh, uh, it's nice to be greeted, you know, and... and uh, I was glad I made it here. I uh, I couldn't get out of Oklahoma first because every plane kept being canceled, and I was real okay with it until they canceled so many I wasn't going to meet my connecting flights. So I said, okay, we've got to, I've got to be in Des Moines. I mean, I just have to be there. And the, the lady was really nice and put me on several different airlines, and um, <laughs> and, uh, and I got here and uh, by jets and everything. It was good. I, I worried. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, um, the food was great for the people that have, you know, worked really hard and, um, you know, and my, I have a lovely fruit basket and I'm such a fruit and I love fruit. So, uh, I'm really, um, just really, uh, privileged to be here. I want to thank my, uh, Heidi and Aaron both for picking me up and being so excited and just, it was just neat. It was just so uplifting, you know. Sometimes people pick you up and God love them. They have a sign and they look like they're going to kill themselves. In fact, <laughs> In fact, I, uh, a girl I sponsor and I, we went to a conference uh, out west, and the girl, you know, I always ask questions like, well, how did, how did you get to pick me up, or how did you get to be my hostess? And she said, well, to be honest with you, I was going to kill myself a week ago. <laughs> and, and we're driving on kind of a curvy road, and I said, well, how are you feeling right now? <laughs> and I could drive at any moment if you need me, okay? And I was like, great, you know, so I... I carried her all weekend, and uh, we had a great time. <laughs> um, I want to thank uh, one of my babies, my pigeon, as you call it here, Peggy Barton, for coming. She came all the way from Wisconsin to come see her sponsor. That's pretty neat. And she brought some girls she sponsored and friends, and, and ladies, thank you for making the trip. You know, uh, I, I used to get in the car. I still get in the car a lot. Um, when I was new... Um, they, I just would have to get in the car. That's my sponsor. You say, Sheila, just, well, where are we going? Just get in the car. You don't have a car, so get in ours. And I thought, well, okay, uh, I will. And I would get in the car with people I didn't quite like, uh, nor want to go with anywhere. Some of them I wouldn't even drink with, personally. But, <laughs> but I would do, I would do this because I was at a point of desperation when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous and I was, uh, fresh out of ideas. I didn't have any more plans. If you're sitting here tonight and you got a plan, I'd run it by my sponsor if I were you. It's always a good thing to run those plans by your sponsor. They'll filter it out for you. Um, but I would get in the car and I would go places and I'd meet wonderful people like you and it, and it gave me so much hope. You know, and I got to stay here, you know, one day at a time and, uh, until I caught alcoholism and I stayed here. Uh, you know, I just caught it. I mean, it was like, I, you know, uh, my dad was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, as some of you know, and, um, you know, I was, uh, I've been, I just been kind of tearing up sitting here. You guys have kind of a, you know, I get gushy. I wish I were a tough broad like I used to be. I really get tired of this teary thing that goes on from time to time. And, you know, and uh, there's this uh, Jackie, this little young lady in front of me. I noticed her dad was here. And uh, they were going over the raffle ticket situation. And, uh, <laughs> and um, you know, my dad used to buy me raffle tickets when we'd be somewhere together. My dad is, is no longer, he, he has been dead for three years, but he's a great member of AA. And so I saw her, and, um, you know, she's got three months, four months? She's got four months. And I just remember when I had four months and I could be in a meeting with my dad. And what I wouldn't give right now to get to do that. 
And I got to watch them. And I think, oh, you know, I just wanted to tell her, you're in for such a ride, darling. And it's fun. Just hang on. <laughs> and uh, and I, it was just funny because they were going over the route. And I, I, was, I just had a moment here that we used to do that. You know, and... Um, and uh, it was just really neat. Thank you for that. Um, I'm really going to be all right through this, I swear, I hope. I, I think, i got to pull it together here. I didn't start talking. Um, the, and Sean, the newcomer, that, that, you know, I mean, that's so great. I love that story that he was in trouble and the guy that is, you know, the book and the introducing and he's the one. I just love that kind of stuff. I just eat that up today, you know. I used to not think much about it when I got here first. You know, it's a big deal. Who cares? You guys are all a bunch of softies around here. You know? Now I sit here and bubble up. You know, it's just I'll stick around. You'll be. That's all. I only got the one. They did what normal alcohol. He's 13 months younger than I am, and my parents got divorced before I ever remember they were married. I was so young, and um, my father moved to California and I lived with my mother. And uh, my mother was a nurse. And I thought my mother was the most beautiful woman I had ever seen. I absolutely loved my mother. I was her little girl, and. She took care of us, and unfortunately, I believe my mother had the disease of alcoholism, and uh, she uh, was gone a lot, and she would go into blackouts, and she was a real alcoholic. And she would leave for periods of time and be a missing person. We'd go and um, live with my grandmother and, and stuff like that, and it was just um, alcoholism. And uh, One day, the uh, social workers came, and they took us and put us in a foster home. My brother and I, we were seven and six years old, and, and I was not to see my mother again until I was 19 years old. And I know that's alcoholism today. Because of this magnificent program, I've learned that that's what alcoholism is. Um, my father came to California. He got wind that his children were in a foster home, and he came, and, and he got custody of us. Now, that was many years ago. It was not vogue for men to get custody of their children. You know, that just didn't go on. And, and my dad came, and unfortunately, we went to live in California, and unfortunately, my father had a disease of alcoholism, and he and the nice lady he was married, he was married to a wonderful lady, she's a nice Mexican lady, and there were about 350,000 people picked us up at the airport, and they were bitching and hugging, and we had a fiesta, and it was like this big party because we arrived, you know, and I thought, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm pretty alcoholic, I'm loving this, I'm a party for me, it's all about me, <laughs> loved it. And there was a piñata, and there was drinks, and everybody fussed and fought, and got mad at each other and made up the next day, you know, and, and I like that kind of life. Um, I do. I'm real addicted to that stuff, and uh, I thought, this is going to be a fun family. I liked it, and unfortunately, they didn't stay together, and she left one night in the middle of the night because, you know, she didn't have Alan on. She didn't have a, any kind of a solution for alcoholism in, in her life, and so she uh, she left, and I wouldn't see her again until I was 18 years old, you know, and that's, that's alcoholism, and that's pure and simple. Um, I... Uh, um, went to, we went, my brother and I went to live with my uncle and my father's drinking was really bad and he was, he was almost, he was about ready to go to prison for some embezzlement and some DUIs and things like that and he'd gotten in trouble and, uh, at 10, when I was 10 years old, uh, a magnificent thing happened in my life. My father got sober in Alcoholics Anonymous and it would change my life forever, although I didn't know that at the time. He, uh, he, uh, was uh, in, a, in an incredible group, uh, it's the Pacific group and, and, uh, California, and he and it was just starting. The group was just starting, and he uh, he got sober. And uh, my aunt and uncle, I lived with them in Arizona. My brother and I, and we came back to California. And he and his sponsor Clancy had sat down and realized that there was, you know, there was only one thing that they could do. My dad could do, and we had to go to live in another foster home. And and uh, we were going to live there. It was a black foster home, so we were only supposed to be there a couple of weeks till I guess they could find a white foster home. And so we lived there um, for three and a half years. And, uh, and it turned out to be one of the one of those things I think where it's just you have a divine appointment to be somewhere. And um, the lady and the, the man that that took care of us were really really wonderful people, and they loved us a lot. And uh, more kids came to the home. There was a there was a, a Sioux Indian, Myron. He came, and then Hilda. She's a Mexican girl, and she, my foster mother had her own son, Walter, and my brother and I. And I always say this: we would sit around the dinner table or lunch and, and it, it looked like a meeting of the junior united nations you know i mean it was kind of neat and uh, you know we didn't know we didn't know prejudice or color we didn't know any of that unfortunately when we went to school that would be brought up and i'd come home and say what is a honky and she would tell me and she would also follow it with that as ignorance you know and and it was like there was so much love in that home and, and we were all so close and and it was just it was a good time it was a good time and my father because of strong sponsorship and the spiritual principles of Alcoholics Anonymous and action. He would come, I mean, every weekend and visit us. And the other kids, their parents didn't come a lot. You know, but my dad would come and 
and he was um, trying to, you know, participate in our lives. And I could tell there was a change coming over him. I didn't know what it was, and I didn't, you know, really particularly care. I just, you know, was just kind of rolling along. And uh, so my dad married a nice lady in AA, and they had two kids, and he had two kids, and they, we got together. But it was not the Brady Bunch, I can tell you that. <laughs> and uh, and it was kind of crazy. And you know, and it was, I was just so needy. I, I was so needy back then. I really wanted a mom. I really always just wanted a mom. And, uh, you know, and this lady that he married was a great lady, a nice lady, but her, she had lost one child to cystic fibrosis and she was about to lose another one, you know, and she just, you know, she was only doing the very best she could do. And, and, uh, and today I know that, you know, but back then it was, you know, me, 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 and I need, I need, I need. And, um, and that, that marriage did not, uh, stay together. And we went down the street to live with her sister so I'm that we live down the street well the prom comes around and I haven't had I haven't been drunk at this point but I sure could use something I tell you what <laughs> I had had some sips of beer in here and there a long way but I don't really remember my first drunk till I was 15 you know uh my uh my dad lived down the street we would um uh we'd come home from I'd come home from like cheerleading practice or something and he'd be out watering and I'd wave and They'd say, who's that? And I go, that's my dad. And they go, your dad? Your dad lives down the street from you? And I go, yeah, didn't yours? You know, it was, you know, it's like the big book talks about the abnormal becomes normal. It was, wasn't that big a deal, you know. And we got along better when he lived down the street. My father and I did not get along for many, many years. I mean, we, he said blue and I say green, you know, and it was just, we, we clashed. And he and my brother got along pretty good. So uh, I got asked to the prom. The guy came up. It was terribly romantic. He said, you don't have a date and I don't have a date. Would you like to go to the prom? I thought, how romantic. Let's go. So uh, my aunt is so kind. You know, she has uh, four children. She's a single mother, has four children, and took my brother and I in. And uh, I think that's a kind woman. And she and her mother also lived there with us. And so she took me all by myself to go get my dress because she wanted it to be, like, special for me. And so we go, and, of course, I pick out this low-cut, kind of tight yellow dress, and she picks out this giant green dress. <laughs> And it, it kind of went bellowed out, you know, and it had these big green flowers all over it. And it had like an accordion neck that went way up with a ruffle. And I'm dying when she's going, this is so beautiful. And I'm like, okay. But I'm, been, I'm getting in a little trouble, though, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of starting to smoke cigarettes and stay out a little later and go out with the guys that she doesn't want me to go out with. I'm kind of pushing the envelope. And I'm the kind of alcoholic, I'll push you, push you, push you. And right when you're about to go over the edge... I do something really wonderful. I'm, I'm one of those. I really hack people off, you know. And a lot of the men identify with this um, for some reason. And so I do something really wonderful, and then you love me again, and it's all wonderful. I'm just a real sick alcoholic, actually. And so I, I know it's time to do something really wonderful here because she's about, about to push me over an edge. Actually, she's pretty tired of me. So I thought, oh, I got it. So I get the dress. You know, I think, what the heck, you know? So I get the dress, she, dress, she's so happy. She said, will you go to my hairdresser? And I thought, nobody goes to the hairdresser, you know? <laughs> I mean, back then it was the 70s, mid-70s, you wore your hair long and straight, and I had hair down to my back, you know? And, and maybe you curled it at the ends on a super special occasion, and that was about it. Well, so I said, okay. You know, and I look at that today in hindsight, and I think, you know, her daughters didn't go to the hairdresser. What was I thinking? But anyway, so I went, and uh, I said, how bad could this be? And the lady said, how would you like it? And I said, you know, I just want, like, maybe a little up here and then down. And so she put me under the uh, the dryer for a couple, three hours, it seemed like. <laughs> and the top of my ears are not ever going to be the same. I mean, she melted them, I'm, I think. And so, so I, you know, and she starts make, doing my hair, and it's just, my hair is growing, is what's going on. And, and, and it came out this big, you know, and it kept going like a football. You know, she kept pulling this hair up and ratting and I mean, there were so many hairpins in it, I, you know, I still can find a couple today, you know, I, I went, oh, there's one, you know, just kidding, but really, it was like, I kept, I found hairpins for days in my hair, and, um, and I hated myself, and, but my aunt comes running in, and she's got this baby's breath, and she goes, oh, you look so beautiful, so they start putting this baby's breath in it, you know, it's like, let that insult to injury, okay, and I'm like, oh, my God, and I, she said, I was like stunned. I, what do you think? I, uh, you know, I couldn't even talk. So we go, and then I put the giant green dress on, and I'm a bush in bloom, okay? I hate myself. I'm 15. She's identifying. Are you identifying? It's horrifying. No wonder I'm an alcoholic, huh? Anyway, and so I'm like 15. I have all these emotions, and I look like a dog going to the prom. So anyway, so the guy, to make things worse, this guy that I'm going with, 
three days before the prom, he bites the head of a live frog off. $100 bet. Oh, I need the money for the prom. I said, I'd have loaned it to you. You know, I mean, it, in front of everybody at school, it was like, the, and, and I wasn't around him, and everybody comes running up to me, like, oh, you're going to prom with just bit the head off a live frog. And I thought, could anything ever go right just once? I was sick. So anyway, so we rush off, you know, and he comes in, and my foster mother comes to the thing. My dad comes from up the street, you know, and, Dysfunction Junction, it was great, you know, <laughs> love it, you know, it was fun, everybody's like, who's this, that's my aunt, that's my foster mother, that's my stepmother, my real mother's not here, my dad's over there, it was great, you know, and I'm real normal with it, I'm not all dramatic or anything, because it's normal, this is my life, and I was okay with it, it was like, and until everyone said, you know, I kind of figured out what a normal, but I thought it was normal, so, Anyway, so then my, uh, my dad stand there, and I want my dad to be really proud of me. You know, there's a part of me that really wants to, wants to be that daughter, you know. But I do everything I can to push him away. And, and I've done that, I did that with him most of my life. It's like, love me, love me, love me, and I do everything I can to push him away. And it was so hard on him. And so he comes in, and, and uh, my date shows up looking like, you know, he's a mortician, you know. He didn't have the right tux on, he didn't match me, nothing. But he got the wrong, everything was wrong. So my cousin, my little cousin Kelly comes in, he comes running in and he goes, hey, are you the guy that bit the head off a live frog? And I don't want anyone to know this, you know. And my dad goes, what? You know, and his eyes kind of glaze over and roll up in his head. I'm just mortified. So we scoot out of there. I go, let's get out of here. And we get into his car. And, you know, a lot of them like to borrow, like, you know, a nice car, you know, and it's their grandmother's Cadillac or something. You know, he had a Dodge Dart. <laughs> and he told me it was a classic. Well, it is now, but it wasn't then. It was just old, you know. <laughs> it is now. And, it put, you know, he goes, what's this? You know, and you push a button and it started. And I'm like, well, that's it, okay? That's all. And uh, I was just sick. We're driving the Dodge Dart to the prom. And so uh, he had uh, champagne in the car. And it had those little glasses, those little plastic ones. He didn't even get glass. I was so sick. And, you know, that little thing, the bottom always falls off. I'm trying to look as cool as I possibly can. And, the, you know, I'm trying to sit my drink down. It falls over because of the little thing. And I'm putting the thing back on. I'm trying to look like I know what I'm doing. And, I, you know, I'm just having a little wine. Go to the prom. No big deal. But we went to the after party. Now, the after party is where it gets going. And I, I really loved it. It was neat. And people came up to me. And they were, like, mixing drinks in my little sweet dumb glass. The thing kept falling off. And... People go, they made me tequila sunrises and greyhounds and margaritas. And I mean, I thought, you know, I'm not going to get drunk. I mean, come on, this is a little tiny glass. I had 150 of those puppies. And let me tell you what happened. <laughs> my hair got long and straight. Those flowers flew off my dress. And froglets started looking really good. <laughs> and I mean that kind of good. You know, yeah. And I, he was wonderful. I was like, yeah. And... Uh, you know, I was free. It was like, it was, I was so free. I thought I was okay. And you were okay. Even better, I liked you for the first time. You know, because I just, I didn't like me. I didn't like my life. I didn't, I didn't like the way I looked. I didn't like anything about me. And I certainly wasn't crazy about you. You know, and that's how I felt. And when I drank alcohol, it, I felt better. I just felt better. I felt better about everything around me. My dress wasn't even that bad, you know. And nothing had changed. Absolutely nothing had changed, but everything changed when I put that inside of me. And, um, and so I got drunk. I, I passed out, blacked out, and threw up. I mean, that's, you know, what I did my first drunk. And, you know, that's really my drinking. I mean, I drink to excess. I never went for, like, long periods of time without drinking. I didn't go drink every day. I mean, I was 15 years old. I drank whenever I could get it, you know, whenever I could get it. And I never thought it was going to be a problem because it was just partying. You know, I thought you know, dad's an AA and, you know, he's, that's nice for them. And I, I babysit everybody's kids and, you know, I loved AA, you know, but it wasn't for me. I mean, for you, that's nice, dad. But I'm not going to be an alcoholic, you know. I'm going to show you, it might, your hat will be off to me, by gosh, you know. And that's how I felt and I, I never thought I was, it was going to be a big deal. And, and um, so I just drank and partied when I could and I, I liked it. I mean, I, you know, I never... Thought it was a big deal. I got out of high school. I started becoming a waitress. I loved waitressing, and I worked nights, and I slept all day, and that was my kind of life. You know, I could have done that forever if my liver would have held out. But, you know, I mean, really, it was just my, that's the alcoholic's dream, I think. And I just loved it, and it was no responsibility, and it was, it was easy, and I made good money, and it was fun. And um, if I worked nights, I could usually get there on time. You know, it was pretty easy. And 
Uh, except this one time I had to open for the opening girl. I promised her I'd open. We switched, and you know I knew I had to. I knew I had to be there at six o'clock in the morning. You know, and the night before, I you know normal people would have said, you know, I need to get to bed a little early and watch Johnny Carson or something dumb and go to bed. Not me. I was bowling or something, and I was I was drunk. I was drunk till three or four in the morning. And I think I slept an hour and got up and I got there on time, but I was sick as a dog and I was hungover. And this girl comes up to me and goes, "Are you all right?" And I said, "Oh gosh, I'm so hungover." And and actually, I think I'm a little drunk still. And she said, here, take one of these. You'll be zipping around in no time. I took one of those, honey. I zipped around for two days, okay? <laughs> no. And I thought, I had found heaven. I mean, this is my solution. And uh, so I zipped around a lot and drank a lot. And you could drink more and not go into a blackout. Well, I thought I found heaven. And so I did that zipping around. And I drank and drank and drank. And I did that for a while. And um, I, uh, I met this hymn, you know, because I think booze and boys, they've just got to be, they're like soup and salad, honey. they got to go together, <laughs> you know, soup and sandwich. Um, and so I had lots of booze and boys stories, you know, which I don't share at the podium, but I had them. And, uh, and so this, I met this guy, and he owned a bar. And, uh, he, you know, yeah, yeah, honey. He said, would you marry him? I said, I do, the rest of my life, I do. <laughs> free, free beer and pool, I do. And, uh, you know, he was a big man, a big fellow. He kind of looked like Paul Bunyan, you know. And, but, you know, he wasn't real faithful. And I don't really share even drunk. I, you know, and I got a bad temper when I'm drunk. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just insane. I'm an insane drunk woman. And I, like, fight men drunk, you know. I'm in, I, would, I don't want to fight men today. I mean, they're big, you know. And, I, I mean, I would just knock the heck out of him. He'd knock the heck out of me back. I don't blame him. I mean, I was goofy. And, um... And I would cause scene, and oh, it was just this really sick trauma drama, and a lot of vol- it was very volatile, and I had a big part in it. You know, I don't think that um, I think that when I learned to keep my mouth shut and didn't get in anybody's face anymore, and nothing seemed to happen to me anymore. I don't know if that's coincidence or what, but that's what's happened for me. Um, and I learned that in um, Alcoholics Anonymous, Anonymous, and some Al-Anons that taught me some really neat things about. Things like that, and, and with alcoholics, and so um, he and I lasted uh, a, the entire six months. Uh, they said it wouldn't last, and they were right. Uh, I was still uh, writing thank you letters to people for gifts when we were getting our divorce, and uh, it was horrible. And through that time, in the middle of that, <clears throat> my mother got very, very ill. And I've seen my mother once at 19. I'm 23. And uh, the first time I saw her when I was 19, it was a very horrible experience, and she wasn't that beautiful woman anymore, and she was really old, and, and she looked very old. She wasn't old. She just, the disease of alcoholism, as it talks about in our book, tears women down really fast. And she, it was just a bad experience. Because I always thought if, I always had, if I'd had my mother, I would have been different. And if only my mom and I had been together, my life would be better. And I blamed a lot of that on my father and just my circumstances. And it was a great excuse to drink for many, many years. It was a great excuse. And gosh knows I collected excuses to drink. Um, I got a call from her doctor and they said she was in really bad shape. So I flew to Dallas from California. I live in California. I flew to Dallas and went into Baylor University and uh, she was in a coma. And the nurse told me, you know, she's, she's, you know, maybe the last to go is the hearing and maybe she could hear you. So I went into her room and, uh, I was like, I'm a tough girl, and I'm like, I, you know, she was trying to prepare me for what I was going to see, and I'm like, look, I've been through so much, you know, this is like nothing. And my mother had tubes running in and out of her, and she was bloated, and she was the color of mustard. And I don't know if you've ever seen anybody die of cirrhosis, and, and I believe alcoholism, and it's a very sad thing to see. And she was just not even there, and I just talked to her and read to her. And next day, her sisters came, and we discussed things, and we talked about, they would talk about when I was a little girl and all this, and I, I was so angry. It was stuff. I had just stuff, just so much stuff inside of me. I, I thought, well, why didn't you ever come and get me? You know, and I had all these horrible things, no solution, and I didn't have any booze. I mean, I wasn't drinking for like a day or two, and I'm just crazy. And all I can think of is to get down the street to my mother's apartment because I knew she had booze there. And here I am visiting my mother, and she's dying of alcoholism, and all I can think about is going to ransack her apartment to find some booze, you know, and that's, that's alcoholism. And so uh, the nurse comes running out. We're sitting in the hall, and they said, you know, you need to come in here right now. And so we went in. I, I went in, and my mother was sitting up. And the first thing she said to me is, will you forgive me? And I said yes. And I'm so glad I did because I really learned about forgiveness here in Alcoholics Anonymous. Eight and nine is a wonderful, they're wonderful steps. And my sponsor 
was not like, okay, just make a lot of living amends. I had to make a lot of direct amends. And um, my mother was dead when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, but there's a way to do that. And um, I'm so grateful to so many of you in my life that have shared those things with me. My mother and I had three really great days together, and then she died um, right out. I had to leave, and I told her I'd be back in a couple of weeks because they weren't sure if she would live six months or six days. And um, She died on Good Friday, and she died in the hospital room by herself. And that's alcoholism. That's what really does happen. The thing I know today is there's not a lot of people that die of alcoholism that come back to AA meetings and tell us their story. They just don't. They're not around. They're gone. And it's like, God, don't you wish some of them could? I bet they'd say, you bet. You bet you better wear a dress at the podium or a skirt and low dress up. You better get that meeting early. I bet they'd say that. Why don't you go to three and four and five a week? Why don't you get a sponsor? Never got a sponsor. Maybe you ought to work all the steps. <laughs> Try them. <laughs> Maybe you should read the black letters in the book, not in between the lines. You know, I bet they'd have a lot to tell us, you know, because we never hear their story. They just go away and they die. So I call my dad, and who, my dad, I would go through months at a time, and I would never call him, and I'd never tell him where I was. Because I was out doing my deal. When I divorced my husband, there would go two or three months at a time. I wouldn't even call him. He didn't know where I lived. And so I called my dad and I told him that mom had died. And would he please help me bury her? I don't even know why I called him. And he called his sponsor and he was just wrecked because he felt guilty that he had gotten this beautiful thing called Alcoholics Anonymous and she didn't. My mother had been to AA twice. And she said to me one night, I'm not like those people. How many times I've heard people in a meeting do that? How many times I've heard people leave AA that say that? It's very sad. I wish she had been. Um, he came back to Oklahoma with me. He hadn't been married to this woman in many years. And he and his sponsor talked about it, and his sponsor said, you should do that. It was his way of making some sort of amends to her. And he helped us. He helped me and my brother, and my brother and I buried our mother. And, you know, we all stood around the, the grave, and that's the first time I ever remember us all being together, and I think she'd like that. And I think about that from time to time, how hard. He didn't say, you know, I'm not comfortable with that. He never said that. I'm sure he wasn't comfortable with that. He had to go see in-laws that didn't like him <laughs> very much, you know, that he hadn't seen in years. And the last time he saw him, he was a bad alcoholic, and he was mean to their sister, you know. And uh, he didn't say anything. It wasn't about him anymore. It was how could he be a service to my brother and I. And that's what Alcoholics Anonymous is about. It is not about me and how I feel. It is about how, what can I do for you. There are three prayers that I have said in AA, and my newcomer prayer was, help me. Then it was, give me. <laughs> and today, hopefully, it's use me. You know? And uh, that's, that's the deal for me. That's the deal. And my dad was always like that. He was always trying to help people. So we, I came back and divorced at him because I figured it was probably all his fault anyway, whatever. And I, you know, and I just went on reckless abandon. I drank and um, I started using lots of drugs. Drugs are a part of my story. It's an AA meeting and I'm, I absolutely respect that. But I uh, got into cocaine very heavily and I got very sick with it and drank. You know, I have no problem with I'm not an alcoholic and anything. I'm just an alcoholic that used a lot of drugs. That's how I feel about it. And uh, I used uh, uh that drug, I used it. Really, drugs were more to enhance my drinking. I mean, it really, it's like anything that would enhance my drinking, it was, I was for it, you know, or could keep me awake long enough to keep drinking more. I mean, I had biker friends that would say, you drink, sure, you drink a lot for a little girl. I mean, when a big giant man that's bigger than life and has this giant hair coming out of his face says that, you know, you might want to take a look at your drinking, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's like, you know, I'm like drinking him under a table. And he's like, what is up with you? And, uh, and so I went on reckless abandon, and I uh, met another him. I met him at a bar. Well, where else do you meet him? I certainly didn't go to church. And uh, <laughs> that was always my favorite stomping grounds. And uh, I, uh, I was so drunk, I, I fell off a car, and he picked me up off the parking lot, and uh, we were together for two weeks. You know, we didn't even leave each other's sight for two weeks. I mean, that's the kind of love I did. You know, it's like, oh, my God, this is fabulous. And then you got to go to work and stuff, and that always interferes with the romance. And uh, 
so we were together, and he, uh, I got pregnant, and he didn't want to be, and so I uh, decided to have this child, and uh, and it was just amazing because uh, it, when I was eight months pregnant, in fact, this week, uh, 17 years ago, he left me, and uh, I was eight months pregnant, and I was alone, and I hated myself, and I wished I were dead, and I remember um, thinking, I wish you could kill me, but keep take care of this baby. I, I wanted, I thought this baby would be sweet. Uh, I drank and used drugs when I was pregnant, and that is such an awful part of my story for me, but I must tell it, because women told me those things, and I heard things like that when you would come to my town, and I wasn't different anymore, and you made me feel not bad, that I was real sick. Uh, when he was born, he was fine, he was healthy. Uh, he was, a, he was I, I, I don't know what it was. I don't want to say God took care of me. I don't believe that. I believe I was just lucky. I believe I just was lucky. I don't think God picks and you get one, a bad thing to happen, you get a good thing. I don't believe that, and that's not the God of my understanding. I think I just happened to be lucky. I don't think it ever happened again, but I think I'd be lucky. And uh, that young man, uh, I saw that baby, and I loved him with all my heart. I immediately wanted to be the best mom in the world. I was going to learn to bake cookies. I didn't know how, so I was going to learn. And I was going to do all those things. I even buy flat shoes and long skirts. You know, I was going to do the deal. I would swear to God, God, I will straighten up. I meant that from the depth of my soul. And I, that could not stop alcoholism. I could not stop drinking because of love for a child. I, if anybody could have done it, I think it would have been my mother and me. You know, my mother, I thought to myself, this is why she couldn't. When I got sober, I realized it wasn't that she didn't love me. It's just she couldn't. She had alcoholism. The book talks about it. We get to a place where we can't live with or without it. I mean, that's, they don't mince words in the book. And so um, he fixed me for about two weeks, and then I was off and running and gunning again. And I'm going to the bars, and I'm doing the things that I, that I hate to do and that I'm doing. And, and I'm leaving them with people that I hardly know and anything to get a drink. And I met a nice Marine. What the heck? I thought, you know, they take care of the whole country. Surely they can handle me. <laughs> But that did not work out. Um, I was even too much for a darn Marine, honey. Um, and I moved to, to uh, Oceanside, and, and we tried to do that deal, and it didn't work out. And he was a nice guy, but, you know, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. And so he, I think he ran off with a whack or a wave or somebody like that. And, uh, and I'm alone, and I'm staying at this girl's house, and I'm sleeping on the floor and living in, living in an apartment. And, uh, live in their house and she's let me sleep on the floor with my son and so I get a second job because I got to work and I got to support my stuff and she has no idea who I really am I'm a manicurist in the day and I'm a drunk waitress at night and you know she was a nice lady she was a nice there were so many nice people there were so many nice people along the way that tried to help me you know and and you know thank God for the people in al they keep us sober I mean they keep us alive long enough for us to get here you know, and we we just tear them up. You know, we just break their hearts one one after another. And um, she was so kind. Um, she caught me coming in one night because I would I would pretend to come in like at a normal hour, and I pretend like you know what I do is I would go, come home at seven or six thirty in the morning. I pretend I'd be asleep, you know, and then I'd wake up. Oh, you know, I don't know how I did the stand out. I had no sleep. Well, I know how I did it, drugs, but anyway, <laughs> and lots of booze, and so. Uh, she caught me coming in, at the, you know, and she said, you know, I know you've been doing this, and if it weren't for that little baby, I wouldn't let you stay here if that wasn't for your son. And she said, you need to call your dad. I know your mother's dead, but you need to call your dad. And it was like, oh, God. And my father's a great member of AA. It's like what, he might, like, hit me with a big book or something, you know. And <laughs> So I call him, and I'm pretty desperate, and I call, and he, he didn't answer but his wife. And he had married a, a, a really neat lady in Illinois named Vinoy, and uh, they lived in Oklahoma at that time, and... Uh, she was a black belt Al-Anon, and I didn't know that at the time. I would have had more sense than to call, probably. But uh, what I said was, I don't want, I want, um, I want you and Dad to know this. This was, this was my best plan. This is my best idea. I said I'm going to uh, put Brad in a foster home, and I'm going to walk the streets because I, I just can't live like this anymore. And she said, Now wait a minute. You know, your dad's doing a fifth step, and he'll call you back. Well, I ran and got drunk. It was like I'd made some sort of admission. You know, I didn't say, oh, I'm drinking and using. I didn't do, I didn't get all crazy with them now. You know, I just made that little admission. But I had said something and I was communicating with people that in, in, at a level that I hadn't really ever communicated, you know. So she, uh, 
The next day they called me and one thing led to another. My father sent me a plane ticket. My father did not send me money. My father did not give me an apartment. My father did not call treatment centers and get me in there. He did not call detoxes. He sent me a one-way ticket to Oklahoma, non-cashable, non-refundable, I tried, ticket. <laughs> he invented tough love. I mean, he was like the inventor of it, I think. And, uh, and that's all. He didn't even pick me up at the airport. That's the kind of relationship I walked in Alcoholics Anonymous with my father. My father and I, there was so much tension and so much hurt and so much pain with, these, with us two. We could hardly be in the same room together. His wife picked me up and uh, another Al-Anon friend, Susan, and they picked me up, my son and I, and we were a mess. I'd been drinking and trying to hide it, you know, and, uh, and they knew and they were, they were kind. They were kind. I was so very sick and they knew it. And I went home and I slept and I slept and I could not stop sleeping and I was coming off all this stuff and I'm not telling anybody and I was secretly detoxing and it was really hard. And I didn't want to tell anybody that I was really sick and so I didn't and I just did it by myself. And I started getting better and no one knew and like, well, she knew. I think she knew. My dad's such a goofy alcoholic. Nothing going on here, you know. She goes, how could you not know? He goes, you, you people are trained to be watching that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just loved him. There's so much. <laughs> Her eyes are funny, you know. I love that. <laughs> no, they're not. Um, and so... I started to, I had to go to something. I didn't want to admit anything. So I went to Al-Anon because in that house you have to go to something if you're going to live there. So I thought, I'll go to Al-Anon. They can drink. Oh. And so I sat in Al-Anon meetings and I was just overwhelmed with the whole thing because I felt so awful for some of these women because they were really, they loved their husbands or sons or daughters or whoever. And I thought, and so one time I said to one, I went up after a meeting and I didn't thought this was kind of harmless. I said, oh, have a drink in a quailu. They'll come home. And she was like, oh, you know. <laughs> of course, it gets back to Vinoy, you know. It's like, oh, my gosh. You know. I was just helping out, you know. And so my Al-Anon sponsor got like a resentment because everybody was coupled off and going to the movies after me one night. She goes, well, we're Al-Anon. We could go have a drink. And I said, by God, we can. I'm so happy. I go, there is the God. There is the God. You know, because I'm trying not to drink and go to Al-Anon. And I'm an alcoholic out of my head. And um so we went to this place and it was great and so she'd order a drink and, and I would order a drink and I'd, you know, sip and then she'd go to the bathroom and I order three shots, another drink, gulp it down, and she'd come back and it looked like I still had half a glass. Hmm. So then I would go get a drink and then I'd drink three drinks up there, bring her a drink, it would be like our second drink. And I looked good. I was bombed out of my mind. And so then everything went well until we went to like eat tacos at this place and I tore down the bathroom door in a blackout. <laughs> And she's this Alan going, I think I have a problem, you know. She's like, Oh my God. So she um she had to like confess to her Alanon sponsor, who was my stepmother. I'm busted, so busted. <laughs> and they're like, There's something not normal about tearing down doors in bathrooms at a restaurant. It's just not I mean, I tore it off the hinges. Oh god. I'm pretty spooky, you know. And uh, she was out of her head frightened. I don't really remember it. I think she made the whole thing up for us today. I even say, I think you made that up. You just want to get me in trouble. She goes, no, I don't, I don't make up that good a story, Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so my father got wind of it, and I got, you know, of course, everybody has to sit down and talk to you. Don't you love that? <laughs> That's always my favorite. You know, let's all visit about it. So then I said, well, <laughs> you know, the family talk. So I move out. That's my solution. Got to go. See you later. So I moved out. I'd love to say, and then I got sober in AA. That's not it. Sorry, guys. It gets a little worse. You know, like in Bill's story. And there'll be two more years of this. No, it wasn't that long, though. You know, it's like, Bill, I was worn out for Bill. I was like, two more years? I think I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> I was reading that book. My God. I was pretty done for him. But um, anyway, so, it, you know, so it was a little longer than that. But um, I got my own place and everything and took my son with me. And I, like, would call and bring him over and drop him off. But I didn't have any relationship with him. And so I finally, um, one night, uh, I had partied too much and done what I, what I always do. I put my son to bed and... And my roommates were there, and I'd been running around, and I was in a blackout. I really don't remember everything that I did, but they were telling me some of the stuff. And 
I came to the next morning and my son wasn't in bed with me because we shared a bed and I couldn't find him and I ran around the house and I couldn't find him and he wasn't in any of the roommates' rooms and I thought he had gone outside and froze to death. It was December 15th, 1984 and it was very, 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 very cold. Very cold that morning and I'd heard about little children getting outside and getting, you know, freeze to death and I thought, my God, he, I've killed him and I was just really upset and she came running out and she said, what is going on with you? Where have you been? You were crazy when you came home last night. You drink too much. Da, 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 the same stuff and I said, I can't find Bradford. She said, here he is, and he was snuggled underneath her comforter so that I couldn't, when I opened the door to look in the rooms, I couldn't see him. And I never want to forget this as long as I live. He was walking down the hall, and he had little jammies with the feet in him, and he put his arms up, and he said, Mom. And I picked him up, and I said, I said something to the effect of Mom is going to get help. And I called some people in AA because, you know, you all are so wonderful, and some of you women would give me your phone numbers because, you know, you could spot me, you spotted me, and... And he gave me your phone number, and I called this one lady. She wasn't home, but her husband was. And he said, I know a little bit more about you than I probably should. I know your dad so well. She was in our group. And he said, are you drunk right now? I said, no. And he said, well, get your butt over here. And I did. And I went to their house, and he sat me down at the kitchen table and gave me with a big book and a cup of coffee, and he 12 sent me, you know. And he said, you don't ever have to feel this way again if you don't want to. And you don't ever have to drink again if you don't want to. I may have heard this before. I don't know. But it was like music to my ears. And I said, okay. And he said, and everything is going to be all right. And I believed him. I don't know why, and I don't know where it came from, but I really believed him. And I had never felt like that except drunk. You know, I never really felt that things could be all right. And so I, uh, I told him, I said, okay. He started laying out a pre- plan of action. She came home and kind of finished the job off, you know. She got home and goes, oh, good. And uh, <laughs> a fresh one, you know, how we are. <laughs> They showed alcohol in their breath. Yeah, my kind. You know, I love that. Ah, that's fun. God, bring it on, girl. And uh, <laughs> and so and so, uh, you know. And then all of a sudden, I, I get this idea. You know, I'm full of it. I get this one uh, one last idea. I thought I hope. I think you know, but I don't want to go to Dad's meeting. I want to go to my own meeting. I want to be my own person in AA. Oh, lovely. He said, well, Sheila, that's a really good group. It's real structured, and it's been there a long time, and, you know, it's, you know, so what? I mean, it, it'll be your group, too. And he said, I said, well, I don't want to go to that group. And he said, well, he said, you need, that's a good group, and you should be there, and I hope you're there tonight, you know, 8 o'clock. So time gets rolling around, I'm already thinking, I don't really know. I think I might have gone overboard. Do I really need to go to that? You know, I'm, I mean, we don't remember the pain of a week or a month or a minute ago. I mean, I just forgot. It was, like, gone. And it's like the book talks about that. And well, then these roommates, who they drink a lot now. I'm not saying these are like, you know, teetotalers. They're like, aren't you supposed to be going to like a meeting tonight? You know, when your drinking buddies start talking about you going to a meeting, you might want to look at your drinking. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, Brad and everything. Oh, we'll watch him. There goes my excuse. And I said, okay. And so I set out to go to my meeting. And I, then I realized while I'm driving, I have no idea where any other groups are. I've never been to them. <laughs> and it was kind of late to go search one out. I had I didn't know where any other groups were. I'd only been to their group, you know, for Alan on meetings. So... So I went, and my dad was there, and of course they were like, what is she doing here? Because they didn't really see me that much anymore. And so I just sat in the back of the room with my tightest jeans on, looking so wonderful. I'm sure I was reeking. And, and the people that 12 sent me that day, they were there, and, and uh, it came, they have a part. I don't know if you do it in your meetings, but is there anyone here with 30 days or less? Please, please raise your hand not to embarrass you. And so, that's right, you do. And so I said, that's what they said, and, and I didn't want to do it, you know, because it's like, Embarrassing. Who wants to do this? I see anybody else raising their hand. You know, I'm doing this in my head. I'm not raising my hand. Well, then, you know how they look over at you because they know that you have to. <laughs> yeah. Don't you like doing that now? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Stick around long enough. You can look at them, too, you know. So, and I know they're looking, so I go, oh, I kind of scratch my head. Oh, you know, I do that. Well, my dad happened to turn around. He was sitting way up in the front. He happened to turn around. He turned around real fast, and he's like, oh, my God. So he got called on. We had tag participation for 30 minutes, and uh, he got, I mean, it was uh, call-up participation. He got called on, and he said that, um, he got called on. He said, oh, I just want to say that I saw my daughter raise her hand. I saw my daughter raise her hand, and he said, I hope she gets this gift. And he said, of all the Christmas presents in the world, this one's the best. And my heart started to melt, you know, just a little bit. It started to just start this time here. And I thought, well, maybe that'll will be best love me. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. You know, and uh, and I started this journey in Alcoholics Anonymous, and 
I've had, um, I, did, I would love to say I was a stellar AA member. I was not. I was, I wouldn't want to sponsor me the first six months. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want me the first six months. I was rebellious and I was angry. I was so full of anger. I was so full of anger. And God sent a sponsor that, you know, my first sponsor quit going to meetings and my, and then, you know, she, I got this other lady and, well, I got arrested. A little arrested sober. It was not a big deal. My dad's head almost flew off, but it was fine. <laughs> I, you know, it was a little, little misunderstanding with a few chicks back in California, but it'll be all right. And I hand my license over because I get pulled over for something like going right on red. There's like one light in Norman if you go right on red. And I went, I didn't, I was new, I didn't see a light. So I went right on red and he pulled me over and I hand my license over, happy, joyous, and free because I am sober. I hand him my license and he says, could you step out of the car? And I know what that means. I'm like, I said, yeah, but I'm sober. I don't have to step out of the car anymore. And he, <laughs> then he starts searching my car. After I said that, and then he took me to jail, and I kept saying, but I'm sober. And so I had to call my dad, and thank God, even though he answers again, and I'm like, she goes, where have you been? We've been waiting for hours, because they had Brad, you know, and I said, well, I'm sober, I'm sober. <laughs> goes, where are you? Where are you? I said, I'm in jail. She goes, ha, ha, ha. I go, well, I'm in jail, and it's $300 to be alone. She said, and I said, she goes, Jim, she was in jail. He God. I mean, he flipped out. <laughs> Gary knew my dad. I mean, he was a big old guy. He looked like Popeye, you know. And, oh, my God. Oh. And I, who needed a phone? I could have heard him across the town, you know. And he's screaming, labor in there. And I'm like, no, don't leave me in here. I'm sober. I'm sober. I'm sober. I swear I'm sober. You know, that's all I can say. She goes, well, Jim, she's sober. I don't give a good thought. <laughs> you know, she's in jail. I don't have any money. You know, he's screaming his head off. And, I, and she goes, Jim, the baby. She's got to get She's We've got the baby. Oh, she was just pleading. Us. Good, good job. Oh, good job. You know, <laughs> I love her. She said, good job. And so finally, goes, okay, fine. She goes, she'll be there to pick you up. And thank God she came because she killed me. So she came and he and he did. He bailed me out of jail. I mean, he gave her the money and stuff to bail me out of jail. And because I was so, I kept saying, "I'm sober, I'm sober." And the jail lady walks by and goes, "Who cares?" <laughs> Rude. I said, "It's very important to be sober when you call for bail money in my house." You know. <laughs> and so I, you know, I was arrested. And my sponsor had just fired me on the way over in while I was driving. My sponsor had fired me because she was getting ready to leave AA. I didn't know that. She had fired me, and then I turned around and I got arrested, and I had no sponsor, and I'm on step three. I mean, I was pretty upset. This is a bad time in my life. <laughs> and I thought, turn your will in your life over the care of God. I'm in jail, and I have no sponsor. This is not working. AA is not working. So I got this other sponsor. You know, the one you're never going to get. I am never getting her. And I got her. I was insane. I was in jail. You know, we're, you, know you find God in jail. Let me tell you what. I came to Jesus. Anyway, so... <laughs> So, anyway, so, I call, so I call her up, you know, it's like I get home and I call her and I say, I have no sponsor, will you look? You know, because she was going to make me, she might make me do something or she might see through me. And that was the deal and I knew it. And she, uh, she walked me through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and my life became incredible. And I owe everything. I really do. This woman was a good woman. She stopped going to meetings for six years and 11 months. And, I, you know, I still to this day, you know, I thank her for the things, the foundation she gave me. She gave me an incredible foundation. She doesn't go to AA anymore. And, and I still see her. She gets her hair done at my the salon I work at. I'm still a manicurist. I still do nails. I mean, some of us have rocket, great, wonderful rocket scientist stories. I'm not one. I was a manicurist drunk. I'm a manicurist sober. I'm making tons of amends, and I don't paint anybody's knuckles anymore. So there. <laughs> Y'all are pretty shaky. You know, oh, let me get that knuckle for you, baby. You know, I was so sorry. But I really do a good job today. I really do. And I really, <laughs> I really try hard. You know, so I really make amends that way. And, you know, Norm Alpha used to say, you know, if you're a ditch digger and you get here, you'll be a better ditch digger. You know, and I'm just a better ditch digger today. And, and I, I love what I do. And I, you know, I, I have a great life. I really do. And so, so I get out of jail and dad's mad. And, and he, then two days later when he sponsored, he's got thrown in jail. And he, and he bailed him out. And through Alcoholics Anonymous, he forgave me because he wasn't upset with him. And he wanted, then he had to look at why am I so upset with her. It was the same, almost exact thing, you know. And Alcoholics Anonymous is how we have come together. Um, my sponsor said, do two things a day, nice to your father, and I did. I used to bring in the paper, and I would um, make him uh, hot water for his hot tea. My dad drank hot tea. We were both morning people. He gave me my love of sports. I absolutely love sports. He gave me my love of sports. We'd read, we could read the newspaper together, only sports section because we liked the same team, so we wouldn't fight. And we started very, very slowly on this journey. And I was willing to try. I was willing to try to be a good daughter. And uh, 
And because I took actions that went against what I thought and I felt, my father and I had a coming together that was only of God and Alcoholics Anonymous. I absolutely adored my father when he died. And we had 11 really great years together because of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I am forever grateful. How could I not come to Des Moines, Iowa and say thank you for what you've given me and the life I have today? Um, my dad and I sat at the International five years ago and we held hands and watched the flag ceremony and we had tears in our eyes. We listened to Sharon Barker talk about the healing her and her father had, and we both had tears in our eyes. You know, you just, this program has given me so much. You know, that little boy, that was so sweet. He is like 16, he's like the best kid. I don't know what happened, but he is. He's so good, he's so cute. You would love him. Anyway, <laughs> he is so cute. And he's a good kid. I mean, he's like good. I mean, he doesn't even drink or anything. It's ridiculous. I smell his breath all the time. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to tell you a story. Um, his semi-formal was tonight. And it was supposed to be last Saturday, and it snowed in Oklahoma, so they closed everything down. What the heck? <laughs> I was so right, irate. And so we find out Tuesday that they rescheduled it, not for March, like they said, but for this weekend. And I was sick to my stomach. I mean, I love, I love you, and I love my children. You know, I, these, you, you're my heart, and so are they. And I called my sponsor. She said, there's nothing we can do. She said, you, you did everything you could. You didn't book anything for January because you knew we had a formal coming up sometime in January. And then you didn't book anything until after you found the date. And, you did all the right stuff, honey, and it, this is just one of those things, and he's, you know, he's a good kid. So I tell him, he goes, I am so mad. I said, please let me down. I mean, I said, oh, please, and he said, I'm not mad at you. He said, I'm mad at school. I said, oh, just the entire institution. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> and he said, Mom, you did everything. He said, you did everything you could, and he said, and I know that you'll go up there and you'll do a good job. And he said, and I'll be here and I'll be okay. I'm gonna, we'll take lots of pictures. And he said, please don't feel bad. He said, I can tell you I'm crying. I know you've been upset. And he said, because if you still keep feeling bad, I'm gonna start feeling bad. And I said, okay. I said, okay, I'll, I'm gonna try. He said, I wanna show you something. And I said, what? And he clicked on his computer and he said, I wasn't gonna show you this. I turned it in a couple of weeks ago, but I thought I'd show you this. And on that computer, he said, what our class had to do was give an award to somebody. You had to make up an award and then uh, write it and then give it and turn it in. And he said, my award went to you. And it said, dear Mr. President, in your search for mother of the millennium, I want to tell you why I think mine is. And I thought to myself, this is Alcoholics Anonymous, and that is all. It's nothing that I've done. You all taught me how to be somebody's mom. You taught me how to be Brad's mom. And Daniel, I have a little one, Daniel. You know, I didn't know how to be a mom when I got here. I was so selfish and self-centered. All I thought about was me and everything was about me. And you told me, she showed me how to give baths and do the right thing and buy summer socks and winter socks and goopies and pajamas. And, you know, I didn't understand all this stuff. I remember I went in this lady's house and it smelled so good and I couldn't figure it out and I'm nosy and I don't want to ask questions because I'm not like stupid. So I went around sniffing and looking and I couldn't find out and finally I just said, what is that? She said, potpourri. And I said, Lord, I got to get some. I got it all in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you ladies have taught me how to be a lady. You know, you taught me how to be a lady. You taught me how to do the right thing and, and act, like, act with some dignity and I didn't have any dignity and I sold my dignity many, many times out there. And you showed me how to do that. My son loves me today and I love him. You know, I'm home for my children. I'm in the home. I'm in the room. You know, and I was really upset. And I called him. I was sitting here at the table when I got here. And that's what I was talking to. And uh, he had his dad's cell phone. And so he saw my cell phone number come up. And he, he picked it and he goes, Mom. And I said, Hi. And he, I said, Do you look really handsome? He goes, No, I look really ugly. I didn't shower. I said, What? <laughs> He's just kidding. He's really funny. Oh, God. You're hysterical. <laughs> I'm in Des Moines, you can get away with it, huh? And, and you know, he's like on his way and he's driving and he had his buddy and they got the corsages and, you know, he's just, you know, I said, just have a great time. He said, oh, we're having a blast. He said, he goes, are you having a good time? I said, yeah, I'm having a good time. He said, okay, sounds like everybody's having a good time here. You could hear everybody in the background, you know. He goes, everything's okay, Mom, and everything's just the way it's supposed to be right now. 
I'll wait. <laughs> he said to me, do you need to read something in the book about acceptance? Isn't there something in there about that? <laughs> He's so cute. I'm going to tell you a couple more stories and I'm going to get down. And you all have been a great crowd and I really have enjoyed you. Um, I got married in Alcoholics Anonymous to a nice normal guy. He's not really normal. There's, why would a normal, I was talking to the, on the way here. He, you know, everyone says he stays normal. And I said, well, he, he claims he's normal. I mean, it's like, you know, you know, I, you know, listen, you know, here's my credentials. Uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I have two and a half years of sobriety. I have an illegitimate child. I'm from California. And, you know, by, by God, I'm a lot of fun. You know, you know what? I mean, that's not like, you know, you know, normal guy qualifying kind of gal, you know. I mean, you just don't run after somebody that's in AA, you know. And uh, I said, yeah, and, you know, and, you know, my dad's an alcoholic, and I'm an alcoholic, you know. And, and so he said he used to, he goes, okay, then I used to be normal before I met you. I said, okay, that's better. So I met this nice guy, and he's not an AA around now, but he's a great guy. And um, we got married. My dad gave me away, and uh, my brother was there, and my, my stepsister Tracy was there, and, my, and Benoit was mother of the bride, and, and uh, my, my brother came. And it was a neat day, and my aunts and uncles, and a lot of people came. It was really beautiful. And, in the backyard, and all my AA friends were there, and all his musician friends. Oh, it was quite a tale. Oh, that was quite fun. It's fun to watch the musicians and the alcoholics mingle, and 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 uh, and the musicians kept coming up. This is the best wedding I've ever been to that I didn't drink at. And, and then the alcoholics were like, oh, all right, you know, twelve step call, and uh, <laughs> and so um, and you know I I I. Uh, I got pregnant right away, and we were going to wait a year, and I got pregnant right away, and right after we were married, and I felt really bad, and I said, Dave, I'm sorry. I said, I know you wanted, we wanted to wait a year, and he said, Sheila, it's okay, we're married. I mean, I was like really upset. I said, oh yeah, I can call Dad. You know, I'm so happy, you know, like, oh my God, this is right, you know, and so, and I said to Dave, I said, you know, Dave, when I was pregnant, um, my father was the last person to know that I was pregnant with Brad, because I didn't want him to know. I was five and a half months pregnant before my father found out. And that's the kind of relationship we brought to you. And I said, um, I said to him, could I please, I said, I've made amends, I've made direct amends for these things to my dad, but could I please make some living amends and let him be the very, very, very first person to know? He said, absolutely. And so I called him and I said, you know, Dad, I said, we're going to have a baby. And he said, oh, my God, I think that's great. And I said, and you're the very first person to know. And he had tears in his voice, and I could hear him. And he said, isn't, it, isn't life good, Sheila? And he said, we owe it all to AA, don't we? And I said, yes, we do, Daddy. Yes, we do. Um, in my sixth month, I found out I was pregnant with twins. And I, I was so excited. I was so happy. It's one of my happiest moments. Anytime I think about it, it's one of the best moments of my life. Unfortunately, in my seventh month of, of pregnancy, um, there was one was a boy and one was a little girl. And the little girl got sick. And... Um, and she died. And um, I had to carry both those babies till the end. And I went to meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous and you carried me. My, I, my heart hurt. My heart was so broken. And you didn't care if I sat in a meeting and just had tears rolling down my face, you know. You guys took me to meetings and then when I couldn't go anymore because I had to go on bed rest, you came to my house. And my husband was pretty impressed with that. He was pretty impressed with Alcoholics Anonymous. And I kept doing the deal and doing the same thing and I just kept saying, okay, you know, you know, I mean, I didn't know what was going to happen. And Daniel was born a month early, and he weighed seven pounds, and he had some respiratory problems, but he's okay today. And you know, we're just we're just so grateful. And I heard somebody gave me a tape, and you know, I just bought a tape. It was Normalpy. I love Normalpy. And he talked about leaving the hospital after a child of his had died, and he said, you know, and he said what I had to do because I was feeling so sorry for myself, and he said what I had to do was I had to look not at what I had lost, but what was left, and it just fixed me. And I knew everything was going to be all right. My father, um, my father got diagnosed with cancer in May of '96, and my heart broke. I just was so upset. I was, so, I mean, in, it was in February of '96, and I went to see him, and we sat on a porch together. And, and he said, "Baby," he came outside, and he said, "Baby, are you okay?" And he lived in Palm Springs. I said, "No, I'm really not." I said, um, "There was not, it was terminal, and there was nothing anybody could do." And, and he said, um, "I said, no, I'm not. I said, I don't want you to die." I said, I can't imagine my life without you. I said, we did it all together, and now you've got to go. And he said, I know, honey. And he said, but, you know, I believe that we're right in the middle of acceptance. And if I believe what 449 has said all these years, I better start acting like it. And then he said this. He said, Sheila, I'm handing the baton to you. 
it's your turn now. He said, you get out there on the fire line and you help those women. And he said, it's your turn now. And it gets kind of heavy sometimes, that baton. I don't know how they held it for so many years, our old timers. You know, I feel like a pup, you know? And he said, you know, I know you can do it. And I just thought, oh my God. You know, so of course I'm going to suit up and show up and come to meetings and do the deal. My father died three months to the day he was diagnosed. He died. and He was surrounded by um, his wife on one side and I got to hold his hand on the other and his sponsorees were there and grand sponsorees. And he left, he left to go into the, the big meeting in the sky with lots of love for me all. And I remember thinking, you know, isn't this nice for him how much love he was surrounded with? How wonderful it is to be a sober AA that gets to go to the big meeting. And I had a rough time after he died. I really, really missed him. It wasn't like, okay, I know this is God. And, you know, it's like, God, do I have no faith? What's wrong with me? You know, and I mean, my heart was just broken. And uh, my dad always wanted me to have braces. And so in April, I got braces. For those of you sitting in the back of the room, this is not, my tongue is not pierced. <laughs> I've had old timers come up to me going, well, I thought your tongue was pierced. I go, and? <laughs> you know, but... <laughs> So I kept seeing the silver stuff. I'm like, well, that's my braces. So uh, my dad, uh, we talked about it on the way to the International, and he just felt really bad that he could never get me braces. And he said, you always had that sweet little face and those crooked old teeth. And I just feel bad that I never got you braces. You know, it's something a dad should do. And I said, well, Dad, you were you know, kind of trying to just be sober one day at a time and blah, blah, blah. And he said, I know. And it just, I said, Dad, it's on the list. I'm a big girl now, and I, if I, something didn't happen when I was growing up, I could make it happen now. You know, it's like, don't even worry about it. It's right on the list, right over there with roof, groceries. You know, it's on that list that you have. <laughs> Sidewalk, you know, those And so uh, he said, okay. And I, um, I got my braces on on a Monday. And I went outside, and I looked up to heaven, and I go, I got my braces on. And then I get in the car, and my alcoholic mind starts. Wonder if he can see him. <laughs> Wonder if he's in heaven. Wonder if there's really heaven. You know that dark thinking. Gosh, and it's just it doesn't get better for me. It keeps going and it's like the draino, you know. Like, <laughs> and it just goes. I wonder if there's really heaven. I wonder if it's just dark where he went. I mean, I'm crazy. Thank God for cell phones. So I got the cell phone out and I called somebody I sponsored. Hi, how are you today? Blah, 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 blah. Good. I call another one. You know, I can't do this. You know, I can't do this. This is too dark and too scary. Wednesday, I'd, I, a month before, I'd already committed to go to this place called First Step. It's for where women are like, it's like, it's like uh, First Step Prison. <laughs> you know, that's where they are. We got lost going out there. We could not find it. We found the men's facility and everybody said, you know, we're 30 minutes late for this meeting. We can just turn around. I'll call them tomorrow and tell them we'll come another time. I said, no. I said, no. Let's go back to the men's facility. They can call over to the women's facility, give us directions. At least we've shown up and given them something. And they said, we kind of thought you'd say that. <laughs> and I said, yes, that's right. So we go to the men's facility, we call them, we get over there. We've only got 20 minutes, and they will not let you have any more than that. I mean, they have one hour, and if, if nothing happens, too bad. They've got to eat some more and go to bed. <laughs> oh, the love. Anyway, so I said, all right, that's fine. Um, Instead of reading out of the 12 and 12, we're going to do step two. Let's do like a, a panel. There were four of us. Let's do five minutes each. So we did. And so then a couple of the girls had shared, and then it got to my turn. And I talked about, you know, any, you can have anything you want in Alcoholics Anonymous if you're willing to work for it. And if things didn't happen for you growing up, that doesn't mean that it's never going to happen. You're going to just have to make it happen. And if you, you know, suit up, show up, and clean up, you can, you know, you can have anything you want in life. And you got to help others. And, and I was talking about that, and then I talked about getting my braces on, and I said, you know, I got these braces on. I didn't have them as a kid, but I have them now. And I said, and I, how I said it was, I hope my dad danced in heaven. And the room was shaped, you know, it was just a room, and, and the women were kind of sitting like in half circles in front of us, and there was like room across, and then we were at a panel up front. And there were probably 50 women in this room. And this woman straight across the room from me, I noticed all of a sudden I looked at her and I said, where did you get that shirt? And she said, out of the donation closet. I said, when? She said, tonight. And I said, stand up. And she did. And she was wearing my father's plumbing shirt. I said, well, honey, that's my dad's plumbing shirt you have on. It said, Jim Shaw plumbing on it. I mean, it's his. 
She said, well, I got out of that closet. I said, well, you know, that business has been gone. I mean, he's been dead three years. That business hasn't been in business in three years. And I said, and when it was, it was in Los Angeles, California. How did you get that shirt in Oklahoma? She said, I don't know. And one of the girls that was sitting there, she came over and she had tears in her eyes. And she, came, she said, God's telling me that your dad's body to break. And I doubt my God so much. I feel so bad, you know. He loves me so much. He loves us so much. And I doubt him. I felt so bad. I said, God, I'm so sorry. I doubt you one more time. You know? One more time. I doubt you and I'm so sorry. But I know, I know exactly what that was. If that girl had been sitting anywhere else in the room, I would never have seen it because there were so many women in there. I wouldn't have seen her. She would have been behind somebody. If we hadn't gone one more mile, if I'd given up. If I said, oh, well, you're right. We tried. Too bad. You know, but you all taught me, go the extra mile, Sheila, and do a little bit more than you should. And I'm so grateful. I have a sponsor today. Her name's Peg Martin. She's a wonderful woman. She saved me at eight years sober. I was just lost and goofy, you know, and, and she came, came to the Canyon Conference, a conference my father started, and she spoke, and I was touched, and I knew that I hadn't had direction in a long time. As I hadn't had direction. I had had a sponsor, but I was not getting direction in how to live my life sober and Alcoholics Anonymous and some sort of spirituality with it. And she came into my life, and I and I absolutely love her, and she's been just wonderful. She came to my father's funeral, and she's one of the people that spoke at my dad's funeral. And I will always love her for doing that. You know, and I know that if you're new here tonight, you know, I hope that if you didn't hear something in this meeting, come back to another one. There's tons of them. You know, and the thing is, is that what has happened for me is that I just went places that didn't want to go, shook hands with people I didn't really like. You know, they probably didn't like me either. I'm sure of it. You know, and I just tried. I thought, I'm going to give this thing a whirl because I was fresh out of ideas and I didn't have any more plans. If you're fresh out of ideas and you have no more plans, welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank you.